Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I think I've met almost all of you. I know some of you are new, um, so whether I met you on Wednesday night or some of you as you walked in this morning, so it's always a privilege to to get to know you. Uh, just a couple of things. I move around a lot, <clears throat> so uh, I know you may not used to be used to that, but just settling because I, I like to move around. Um, so whoever's on the camera, that's you. You might you might just need to have the thumbs ready because I, I move around a lot. Um, Man, I was really obviously not planning on saying this, so I was really encouraged by that statement you just read. Uh, I actually just texted you while you said Matt did send that to me. Um, because one of the things that I think is unique about Matt and I's relationship, he mentioned we met a year ago, uh, we talk about, I think we text once a week or once every 10 days, and I think we talk about once or twice a month. And one of the cool things, I guess it's cool, Sometimes it's frustrating, sometimes it's not. I guess you fill in the blank. One of the conversations that Matt and I often have is he talks to me about things that's going on with you, primarily in the context of a small church. And I talk to him about what's going on with me, primarily in the context of a large church. And so he is 100% right, whoever wrote that statement, and, and as Matt read it, that small churches are not big churches, and big churches are not small churches. And they obviously each have their own unique um, processing. They have, they have the ability to, to meet people in different ways. And so please, please, please stay encouraged as, as Sojourn. Um, you know, there are many days that he and I talk and he says, man, I wish I had that, but I don't because we're in a small church. And I said to him, man, I wish I had that, but we don't because I'm in a big church. And so, um, and so that is, I just want you to be encouraged by that. Um, before we get into the text today, I need you to do me a favor. I need everyone to stand up, and I need you to find one person who you did not come here with. And this is going to be quick, all right? It's going to be quick, hard, fast, and I also need it to be loud, okay? So I need you to go find someone that you did not come here with, and this is what you're going to do. Walk up to that person and say, the best part of my week was, and fill in the blank. That's it. Quick, hard, and fast. There we go. And loud. Volume. I need volume. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, let's get some feedback. Let's hear what did what give us give us something. Somebody just ahead. The you don't have to say who it was, but just say the person I talked to. They said that the best part of their week was, and tell us what it was. Uh, ran six miles. Ran six miles. Okay. Teaching Milo how to. Go by himself in bed. Okay. Teaching Milo. That's the dog, right? <laughs> teaching, <laughs> teaching the dog a new trick. We'll just call it that. All right? Yep. Having a day off and being able to spend time with family. Okay. Day off and spend time with family. Anybody else? Yes. Uh, being able to stay with a new believer and 
Read the scriptures. Okay, being able to share the word with a new believer. Amen. What else? Floating down the river. Floating down the river. All right, anything else? Yeah. Gospel community and soccer. Gospel Let's community go. and soccer. All right, let's get one more. Enjoying um, uh, their child's reunion with old friends. Enjoying their child's reunion with old friends. Great. Thank you so much for doing that exercise. All right, so this morning we are going to be in First Timothy. So you can go oh, ahead. Ran, ran 10 miles. Ran 10 miles. Who's yeah, that? Beat that six miles out. All right. All, right. All right, so this morning we're going to be in First Timothy, so you can go ahead and turn I over there. <laughs> Last week we started this series on the book of First Timothy. Now we're going to be walking through it for a number of weeks. I'm saying we, like I'm going to be here for a number of weeks, but you're going to be walking through it Come on. for a number of weeks. Hey, I mean, y'all can be praying about this. I'm trying to get Matt to take a break and go on sabbatical, and I'll fill in for him for a month. But, just, uh, stop telling about it. But anyway, um, so we're going to be in First Timothy um, for a while, and last week, uh, Matt just laid out kind of what's going to happen in this book, what's going on. Uh, the series is called Blueprint, right? God's Design for the Church. I think all of us know what a blueprint is, right? It's, 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 it's a schematic, I guess, that we lay out when we say, hey, we're going to build something, we're going to plan something, we want to put things in place, we want this to look this way because it functions a certain way and so on and so forth. And God has a design for a church, right? Just like he has designed other things, just like he designed grapes to be grapes and plums to be plums, he has a specific design for the church. And so what we're going to see as you walk through this book you're going to see and hear how, from the words of Paul to Timothy by way of God, like, hey, this is how the church is supposed to function. This is how it's designed. And so today, we are going to be primarily in verses 3 through 11, okay? So uh, we're going to read them, and then we are going to dive into it, all right? So let's read this. This is 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm just gotcha. I'll just read from verse 1, 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, by, of God which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying away, or some, some Bibles say swerving away from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they are to be confident insurgents. Verse 8 says, But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for example, an ungodly and sinners, unholy, profane, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals, and kidnappers, and liars, and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. So, before we get into the lesson portion, there's a couple of things that we need to talk about right away. If you're paying attention to this set of scripture, and you hear 
I'm saying it. Other pastors are saying it. This portion of scripture serves as a blueprint for the church. And in the first few verses, you hear things that what I call are quite dilating, right? Your eyes are like, whoa, I thought this was a blueprint. I thought we started with, with foundation and then I'm going to put a window here and a door here. I, I didn't think we would hear such shocking things. So I, I think there, I know that some of you in the room are parents. I'm a parent. Matt, Matt mentioned that. I have an 11-year-old son. His name is Boston. Um, I refer to him as a little homie. So if you hear me say that, that's what I'm talking about. So one of the things that you learn when you're a parent, you hear people say, hey, you have to baby-proof the house, and you need to make sure the kids stay safe. You have to make sure that they do this. And, you know, before you have kids, you think, yeah, whatever, it's, it's fine, whatever. That's just somebody being overly anxious about protecting their kids. It's probably overrated. They're just making a big deal about nothing. Well, when you have a child, you realize that it's not a big deal about nothing. Because one of the first things you learn, especially when your child starts to walk, is they have this in inherent ability because of sin to find all the wrong stuff right they find all the wrong stuff i've never put a bowl of fruit on the table when boston was young and he walked toward the fruit never he found the pantry opened the pantry and pointed at the cookies right he never just inherently moved towards the good stuff right so you baby proof you put all the stuff away you put all the cleaning stuff away one of the things that you do is you buy these little plastic covers to put on these electric outlets, right? Because for some reason, your child that's learning to walk is just gonna gravitate towards that outlet. For some reason, your child who's learning to walk is it, he can't, can't read, can't write, can barely feed himself, but for some reason has this ability to find a metal object <laughs> and without realizing it starts, he wants to, he's looking at Mike and he's like, I'm gonna walk towards Mike. But for some reason, everything is pulling him towards this outlet instead of in the outlet. I've watched it. I've watched my son do it. I've watched him go. I don't know why, but something inside of me started off to go this way, but it's just pulling me in this other way. I remember, and this, this is, I'm not making this up. This is a true story. Boston found the one outlet tucked behind the corner of the of the couch that I left unblocked because it, it's where I would sit and plug my phone in. Um. And then one day he's walking, he finds it, and he's getting close, and he literally has something in his hands. I don't know if it was metal or not. He finds it, and he's walking towards it. And he is, I mean, literally about to touch it. And I freak out. I go, hey, 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 stop! And he stops. Pretty sure he peed his pants and he started crying. <laughs> right? Just crying loud, loud, loud. And I freaked out on purpose. I did it on purpose. I made sure my facial expression was tense. I looked at him. I didn't yell at him. I looked at him. I, was, I made sure my breathing was elevated. I wanted him to go, I guess I shouldn't do that. I guess I shouldn't do that. And from that day, to this day, he's never died. And so why am I telling you this story? <clears throat> because in that moment as a dad, there was a number of things that I could have done. I could have sat down with my son and said, hey, let me give you a 53-point lesson on why we can't touch outlets. I could have, I could have tried and smoothly said, hey, let's not touch the outlet. He probably wouldn't have responded to that. 
But because I gave him something that was big and bold and shocking and distressing, it made an impact on him. This portion of scripture starts off that way. Paul is telling Timothy, who was the pastor of the church, this letter would have also been written, and sorry, read out loud to the church. And he's saying, hey, this is really, really, really important. You are establishing a church. He said, I need you to stay here in Ephesus. I need you to stay here in Portland. And when you are here, I urge you, please, 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 it is going to be inherent for the people that are going to show up to want to walk towards the outlet. They are going to want to discuss things that have nothing to do with scripture. They are going to want to pontificate about every other thing other than scripture. They are going to want to talk about all kinds of small g gods and not Yahweh. And I need you as the leader of the church here in Ephesus, as the leader of the church here in Portland, as the leader of the church here in Atlanta, I need you to take the responsibility of correcting this seriously. And so from here on out, I'm going to read this portion of scripture, but I'm going to speak as if I'm speaking to you as you are here in Portland. Because this responsibility is also on you. The same responsibility is also on me. The Lord has just planted me somewhere else. I want you to have that image in your mind. If you are a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Little Oliver is making his way over to the outlet. I know it. Elliot, he's still, Elliot's still making his way over to the outlet. <laughs> we need you. I want you to have that picture in your mind because this is really, really important. Okay? <clears throat> um, Matt mentioned this. Uh, I grew up in the Caribbean in the Bahamas. One of the unique things we have is we have a variety of palm trees. And I don't know if you know this or not, but um, most palm trees, when they start to grow, they have a natural bend. All of them. If you don't touch it, it will grow in its natural bend. Well, when you're planting palm trees for decoration purposes, you can't just plant them in a row because they'll come out all, which, all kinds of ways. One of the things that we learned early on is when you want a palm tree, if you want a row of palm trees, you may have seen this in places, they have these boards that they have up against the palm tree. And they put pressure on them just a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time until they get the palm tree to grow in the direction that they want it to grow. And that's how I want you to think of yourself. Hey, you know what? We need to, everyone's going to have a bend towards the wrong thing or something other than what Christ is calling them to. And we're going to put, we're going to use what God has given us scripturally to put that pressure on them. So um, there's a couple of things. There's two threads of unbelief that are almost always, not always, but almost always present among God's people. One is legalism and the other one's pragmatism. Right? It's almost always, almost always present. Legalism and pragmatism. I just want you to have those two words in your mind. So the church needs to understand that these, sorry, understand these um, and know how to address them because the gospel is at stake. Um, one of the other things that might have been present at this time is this whole belief of, of Gnosticism. Um, there's, there's came out a little bit different than it does in our time. Uh, but then, uh, they would have taught that salvation was by various mysteries, 
the Greek word gnostic literally means knowledge. And so they were, they were just trying to find, they were trying to dig and find something other than what God was presenting to them. So the church was at serious risk of being built on the wrong stuff, right? The church was at risk of being built on the wrong stuff. Much like today, people are chasing false truth and spending too much time speculating, conversating, mulling over, pontificating on things that don't really matter. This distraction is from the gospel. This behavior distracts people away from the gospel. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but if you take notes, I want you to write this down. Distraction is a major part of Satan's plan. Distraction is a major part of Satan's plan. Sometimes we tend to think that it's just black and white. Just black and white. But it's just sometimes it's distraction. Sometimes it's just that tiny little shimmery thing that's over there on the wall called an outlet and I can't get it out of my mind. Sometimes it's, most times, it's distraction. So he used it as a major part of his plan. So as the pastor leads and the people, which is you, so as Pastor Matt leads, and the people you support him, both, both the leadership, meaning Matt, and both, meaning you, the, the, the congregation, are responsible to articulate scripturally that false doctrine will simply not be allowed. So as it should be today, Paul was very serious about this. Because the influence, don't miss this, because the influence of even one, if you're taking notes, write influence of even one. And if you don't write all these things down, it's in my notes, you can have it afterwards right at the barking. You're more than welcome to take it. But the influence of even one unbiblical perspective, influence, input, can have drastic consequences on the church. Paul held the whole church responsible to address them because the whole church allowed these people into the fold. Um, there is a very, very unique, compelling, and shocking story in Joshua 7. Um, and so I want you to write that down right now, Joshua 7. I don't know if does anybody know the story of Ai and Achan? Anybody familiar with that story? Okay. So in Joshua 7, um, there's a story, I'm going to give you the very quick version of it, but literally an entire group of people was impacted because the sin of one man. Literally one man. And this is really interesting. His, the instruction that was given to him, and I'm saying this from my perspective, okay? I've, I've preached out of Joshua 7. It's one of my favorite portions of scripture. And I'm saying this from my perspective. In Joshua 7, it's his, the instruction to Achan was simple. Hey, don't take any of the goods for yourself. What was it? Don't take any of the goods for yourself. Read it. Go ahead and read it. Just trust me. Like, read, write it down. Go home and read it sometimes. Week. Joshua 7. It says, don't take any of the goods for yourself. For me, that seems like, okay, I mean, I don't see what the big deal is. All right, so I'm doing the Lord's work. And I'm just, just going to take a tiny little bit. You know, I'm, I'm working hard here. I'm, I'm a pastor. I don't get paid much anyway. I'm just going to take a little bit extra. And that seems innocent. Don't take any of the stuff. Aiken took the stuff, and it had a huge impact on everyone around him. So read Joshua 7. And I want you to have that image in your mind. And so for, for myself, for Pastor Matt, other pastors, for you as this local congregation, please, I want you to take that serious because even one unbiblical influence can have a drastic consequence impact on 
the blueprint that God has given us and on your local body. So, let's get into this. What is our response? What is my response? What is Sojourn's response? So, number one, we must all individually purpose to address unbelief. We must all individually purpose to address unbelief. You could write that in your notes your own way. It is my responsibility to do something about unbelief. Obviously, this is led by our leader, which in this case for you is Pastor Matt. So we will all individually purpose to address unbelief. Let's look at this. Look at, look at uh, verse 3 and 4 with me. As I urge you upon my departure for Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Um, <clears throat> ESV says, nor to devote themselves to endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. So, firstly, we must individually purpose for God to do something about this. I urge you to remain and charge certain persons not to. Charge certain persons, there is a firm, strong, a strong language. Here's what it's not, okay? It's not brash language. It's not, hey, we're gonna put, we're gonna put Elliot and Liam to the front door and they are now gonna be soldier bouncers. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna check everyone for their theological card. And if you are coming in here with endless genealogies about myths and stuff, they are gonna bounce you out here. We are going to throw you into the street, and if you happen to get hit by a car or a bus, that's on you. That's not on us. Because the scripture says, you got to get out of here. Right? We, we, that's, not, that's not what that is. The firm language there is firm in love, and we'll see that in the next couple of verses. It means that we are firm in what we believe. It means that we are willing to stand firm on what we believe while being loving and gracious about your unbelief. That's what that means. So I, as an individual, I will do something about this. Here's what it also means. It also means that all of the responsibility isn't on Matt. All of the responsibility isn't on me. I have people come up to me all the time and they say, hey, Pastor well, Sergeant, what are you going to do about it? My first question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to fix this? My question is, uh, are you going to fix it? Say, hey, someone at work was talking about this, and they said they were going to, this is what they believe. What do you think I should say? I think you should say what the scripture says. Right? So I want you to think about this. I, meaning you, I have an individual responsibility to help the church, in this case, our local church, Sojourn, and also the global church, to address unbelief. Number two, we must equip ourselves with the proper mindset and character beforehand. Unbelief has to be addressed with a pure motive. So, again, shorthand notes, equip myself, right character, right mindset. Let's look at this, five through seven. This is really important. But the goal of our instruction is love. 
the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. We have to equip ourselves with the right stuff. This isn't Cedric's opinion about what you believe. This isn't filling your name about filling your name my opinion about what I believe. This isn't I have something to say. I am good at talking. I am good with words and I want to be against you. That's not what this is. The blueprint that Paul is giving Timothy and giving to us, he's seeing this uh, is this church issue and this individual issue of standing firm against false teaching comes from the fact that we are loving because we love the Lord, we love his word, we love the church. So it is from a place of love that issues from a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. Here's what pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith means. It means that you are connected to the truth. It means that you are connected to the truth. You just can't regurgitate information that you may have heard somewhere hovering over here. And so when you are connected to what scripture says, when you are connected to the Lord through prayer and through fellowship and through community and through meditation on his word, when you hear something or see someone starting to go towards the outlet, the love that you have, the sincerity that you have because of your relationship with the Lord is going to what allow you, is what will allow you to appropriately stand firm against that. So we have to equip ourselves. Another short way of saying this is we can't be lazy. We can't be lazy. We can't just say, all right, cool. I guess if someone comes in and they, have, they believe a different thing, I'll just hand them this little pamphlet that talks about why we disagree. That's, that's kind of the lazy way out. We, we, we can't do that. We can't be lazy. We can't just say, hey, I'll text you Pastor Matt's number. That's lazy. We, we can't do that. Now look, we all know that every one of us, we are at different places in our spiritual maturity. We know that we will have to, we will lean on each other. We know it's important to have a mentor and mentee relationship. We know it's important to have a teacher and, and pupil relationship so that we grow in this. But it starts with point one. You have to see yourself as individually responsible. So we must equip ourselves with the right stuff. Charged in love, this comes from a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. Um, what I didn't tell you was, and I, I waited for this point in the sermon to tell you this. My son has a really good memory. Actually, his memory is too good. And he remembers that outlet incident. Mm -hmm. So he's like, Dad, do you remember that time? When you like just screamed and screamed at me about the album, like, of course I remember. I said, do you remember? He's like, yeah, I remember. I just, I just remember that I didn't know what was going on. And I just remember that every time I got close to the outlet since then, I always looked to see if you were close by. <laughs> so he said, and I always said, look, man, if you call yourself a best friend of someone and you're willingly watching them walk off a cliff, then you're not a great friend at all. And that's what this is. It's like, look, look we, we love people that are going to come into the church. We want them to come into the church. 
But if we are going to just watch them walk the way that they shouldn't be, engage with something that we know could be detrimental to them, then we're not doing what God's calling us to do. So please, 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 this is very, very serious. I don't mean it to be harsh or finger pointing, but we, and when I say we, I mean we the church leaders, pastors, elders, leaders, or whatever word you want to use to, to, to get that point, we need you, the church, to do your part. So we, 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 I can't do this by myself. I can't do it by myself. So equip yourselves with the right stuff, the right motive, because this is what scripture is calling us to. And then number three, we must address unbelief with prepared minds and understanding of scripture and the law. So number two and number three are kind of connected, okay? We must do this with a level of understanding of the scripture and a level of understanding of who God is. And in this case, I'm using the word law specifically because it's used here in this text. And so uh, as you work through the rest of the book in the coming weeks, uh, I'm sure you will, Pastor Matt will talk about this. But one of the things that we that, that was an issue there at the church, and it's an issue today as well, is this whole idea of the law, right? And so if you look... Um, in, at verse 9, it says, understanding this, that the law was not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane. And God is, God's establishing that law. It's not for us to establish the law. It's been established. It's for us to uphold it with the right motive. Okay, so that's why he mentioned that. So, we must address unbelief with prepared minds and understanding of scripture and the law. Uh, seven says, some of these people, actually, we need to go back to six, because I don't want us to miss this. Go back to six for me real quick. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions. I like to pause there, because I want you to keep the picture in your mind. Desiring to be teachers. Okay? I, what I'm about to say, you probably don't have a whole lot of issue with, because you are a small church. But in my world... We have a huge issue with this. I'll read it again. Certain, certain persons, by swerving away from these, the these there is the stuff that we're supposed to believe in. Issues, from, uh, sorry, swerve, have wandered away into vain discussions desiring to be teachers. Listen to me carefully, okay? Listen to me carefully. As is today, God has called Pastor Matt to lead this church. Not me, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, not me, him. Yay. Right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's correct. <laughs> right? And so, does that mean now that the Lord hasn't called you to do something else? That's not what that means. He may have called you to do something else to benefit the local church and obviously to be a glory to God. But certain persons... Because they start to think, you know what? I really don't see what the big deal about hanging out with the others. I'm just kind of hanging out. I'm just over here. I don't really see what the big deal is. I'm not touching it. Right? Our kids have done this. I don't see what the big deal is. I'm just hanging out. I'm just over here hanging out. Like, it's not a big deal. I mean, my hand's just on top. I mean, it's not that. It's really not that big of a deal. Like, I don't even see what the, pro I don't see what the problem is. Right? I mean, Ben and I, we're just over here talking. I'm not sure what the problem is. 
right? And I stick my hand in my pocket and I go, I mean, this is just plastic. I don't really, I mean, it's fine. You know, you know the more I think about it, I actually don't think that this is wrong. It's not wrong for us to be over here. It's not wrong for us to be adjacent. It's not wrong for me to flirt with it. I actually don't, you know what? I think we should start teaching this. How to successfully be near outlets without getting, without getting electrocuted. <laughs> and now that you and I have a desire to be this thing, we get pulled, we get pulled away. And so Paul is telling Timothy, we need you to watch out for these people. Because it's, there's a couple of things mixed up in, in their hearts and in their minds. Some of them are desiring to be teachers. They're looking at me and they're looking at you, Matt, and they go, I want your spot. I want to be you. I want to be where you are. I want to fill in the call that God has for you. It's not my call, but I want your spot. So sometimes people are motivated by that. Other people are motivated by what they feel is a higher level of knowledge and understanding. My, le my level of knowledge and understanding has been elevated about Scripture. And so Paul is telling Timothy, the Scripture is telling me, as a pastor, as a leader, as a shepherd, the Scripture is telling you, as a pastor, as a leader, as a shepherd, and then the Scripture is telling you, as Christ's followers, and people who want to protect and preserve the right stuff in, re in reference to the church, that we need to be equipped. We need to understand what's going on here. We need to have pure motives. Our minds need to be a certain way. We need to understand scripture. We need to understand what is right and what is wrong, what is sound and what is not. This is God's blueprint for the church. Now it's a little bit easier to see now why he starts off, these are my words, okay? These are my words. Now you see why he starts off by yelling at his little kid and then teaching him after. That's why. Now you see why. Because I want that to be in my mind. Wow, this is serious. This is serious. This is literally a matter of life and death when it comes to the local church. Boston, I need you to understand. I get down on one knee. I said, Boston, I need you to understand. I don't want you to die. And I definitely don't want you to die because I was negligent and just let you hang out by the outlets. And this is why I said, you know what? Do us a favor. Don't even go close to it. Don't even go in there. In fact, you're not even allowed to go in the living room from now until you're 18. Don't even go in the living room. Because if you go in there, you're just going to somehow end up over here. In fact, you know what? You're going to sleep outside. Right? So that's, so that, that's, what, we, that's, what, we're, that's what I want to do as a parent. As a dad, I go, you know what? This is so, so, so serious. I have to protect you from it. I have to protect you from it. Right? And I want us to think of the same way in context of the church. This is serious. This is why this is the starting point. This is not the ending point. This is the starting point. Okay? Matt and I went, and I'm almost done here. Matt and I went on a hike. How many, how many miles did we go? Seven and a half miles? Seven. Um, a couple of days ago. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and anytime I go into the woods, there's two things I look for first. One, I look for all the stuff they say not to do. And two, I look at the map. Why do I do that? To not get lost. Not get lost, but why do I do the first thing? Uh, so you follow the rules? More importantly than that. They know where to go. More importantly than that. They don't die. I don't want to die. <laughs> I don't want to die in the woods. All right? I mean, none of us want to die, period. But I don't want to die in the woods. There's a couple scenarios that I really, really don't want anyone to say at my funeral. Yeah, I don't know what Zedder was thinking. He just walked right off the cliff. 
He didn't run off of it. He was just on a stroll and just walked right off the cliff. I don't know how he didn't see the sign. So literally we went to the woods and I walked over to the thing and the first thing I saw, I was like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do this, here's the map. I actually took a picture of it. And that's how I want you to think about it. I need to know what I'm not supposed to do first. Then I need to look at the map so I know where to go, how to get there successfully, what I'm trying to accomplish. That's what this is. This is the first part of the blueprint. Okay? So, the church is God's blueprint. Sorry, this is God's blueprint for the church. The church needs people, pastors, and leaders who will stand up against false teaching, motivated by a love for God, motivated by a love for his word, and motivated by a love for his people. So a couple of things as I close, okay? Again, I really want you to write this stuff down, but if you can't write it down as fast as I'm speaking, don't stress out about it. I know we're all gonna go get lunch in the, in the park, and I have these in my notes so you can write them down. But a couple of cross-references for you to read later, okay? I gave you Joshua 7 already, so please read that. Next is Titus 1, 10 through 14. You will see a common theme when Paul is writing to the churches. This is in almost every one of his letters. Hey, 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 pay attention. Someone's going to slip in there and they're going to say some stuff that they probably shouldn't be saying. We need to watch out for that. Um, Acts 1, 8. This is God's plan for the church. And then I have a couple of, couple of things for you to, excuse me, for you to think on and ponder. Okay, in my notes, I have ponder, ask, answer. Um, I know this is my first time with you, so the people that I teach week in and week out, they know this about me, so I'm going to tell this to you. Excuse me, but when I give you scripture, I actually intend for you to read it. That's not just a figure of speech. When I give you homework, and I give homework every time that I teach and preach, I actually expect you to do it. Uh, and when I say think about this, ask this, and answer it, that's literal. That's not a figure of speech. So find some time between now and next Sunday to do these things. Okay, Matt has my permission to make sure to do the homework. You can FaceTime me while I'm watching the game at 1 p.m. because you all live on this side of the country. And tell me who didn't do the homework. <laughs> so here we go. The first thing is what confident, and again, actually, you know what? Don't even, if you can, good. But if you can't, I'm just going to get these to him so he can get them to you because this, this is a lot. What confident speculations affect Christianity today? And I'm saying confident because they are confident, not that we are not. You know, so, like what are some of the confident speculations that you have noticed affects Christianity today? Why do people follow them? How can we avoid being misled by them? We put your name in there, and then we as soldiering. How can we? How can we avoid being misled by them? Here we go. It's going to get a little more personal here. Are you prepared to confront false teaching if it crops up in your church? Are you, say your name, am I, Cedric, prepared to confront false teaching if it crops up in the church? Please remember, we're not talking about sending our two bounces out to kick people out. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, I need to walk you through why, scripturally, what you are saying is incorrect. Okay? So I want us to have the right motive. Could you articulate sound doctrine from the Bible? Listen to me carefully. Okay, listen to me carefully. I don't, I don't want you to feel pressured by this question, so I'm going to make the statement. If the answer is no, here's what I want you to turn the no into. Not yet. 
that? Yes, I can. This is the question. Could you articulate sound doctrine from the Bible? If the answer currently is no, don't, don't, don't put your head down in shame. Don't go, oh, I guess, I guess that's just from Matt and Andrea and, and Cedric and a couple of you. Turn the no into not yet. Turn the no into not yet. If I asked you, hey, can you, who said they ran five miles or six miles? Well, who was that? Somebody said that. Was that you? Well, I, I, I didn't, I didn't run it now. But Whoever it was. Who was it? Who ran? Okay, how many, how many miles did you run? Six miles. Six miles. If I asked you that seven years ago, you'd be like, no, I ain't running those yeah. six miles. How many, miles. how many miles did you run six years ago? None. None. Hey, I love it. Zero, right? So today it may be no, turn that no into not yet. Go walk half mile and then come back and check us out. Go walk a, go walk a mile and then what'd you do? I know what you do, right? I know how you, I know what your first mile looked like. Because I ran that first mile too. I know exactly what it looked like. <laughs> shuffle, right? That's what you do because you don't run. I don't run. You to shuffle the first mile, right? Then the second mile, your stride got a little bit bigger. Then by the fourth mile, you went up. You bought, you, you bought running shoes. I know. I know what's up, right? Then you bought a little armband and thing. Like, oh, man, I got to put the phone on here. Then you bought some headphones, right? We're working our way up. So that's what I want you to think about. Could you articulate sound doctrine from the Bible? If the answer is no, write no in your notes and draw an arrow and then write not yet. Turn the no into not yet. Here we go. I'm almost done here. Do we accept the plan? Sorry. Do we accept the plain teaching of the Bible? Do I accept the plain teaching of the Bible? Or are you, am I, Philip, put your name in there, looking for the newest way to interpret it? especially when you don't like what it says. One of my least favorite portions of scripture, there's literally scripture in our Bible that tells us as Christians we should not be sarcastic. <laughs> so it says, shouldn't be sarcastic. You know what one of my love languages is? Sarcastic. Where does it say that? Samuel will talk afterwards. All right? Seriously, I'll show you about this. It's literally just one of my love languages. Sarcasm, I can't help it. I mean, I, I feel like I can't help it. So one of the things I'm like, Lord, I really want to be edifying to you. I want to watch my tongue. I, I, you got to help me with the sarcasm. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But I can't be in love with the wrong stuff. I can't. And so I can easily, I'm a pastor. I know the scripture. I've, I've looked. I've looked for other stuff. I was like, I can, I can get away with that. I can let that slide. Right? I, can't, I can't get away with sarcasm. No, so what do we do? Am I, are you doing that? Do you believe the plain teaching of the scripture? The Bible says, let your words be seasoned with salt. Colossians 3. So that you know what to say, when to say, and how to say it. That's what it says. That's what it says, Colossians 3. I don't like that verse. You know why? Because I'm going to say what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, when I'm going to say it, for how long I'm going to say it. Right? So... I could easily find myself going, I'm going to skip over that part. I'm going to find the other part that says, I could speak in holy anger and just turn everything into holy anger and holy sarcasm. That doesn't exist, by the way. <laughs> so do you accept the plain teaching, or are you looking for the newest way to interpret it, especially when it says something you don't like? Beware of this, please. What I just explained to you, that literal process that I just explained to you, about trying to find something to fit your agenda when you don't like what Scripture says, that is literally a form of false doctrine. Which is what we just talked about. Beware of that in yourself 
and be aware of that in others. And then lastly, sojourned is growing without being either legalistic or pragmatic. Why is that the case? The short answer is because we're, we're building our church on scripture. But I want you to think about it. I know this because I have a relationship with Matt. So I know that this is on his heart. I know this is how he leads you. But sojourn is growing, and it is growing, without being either legalistic or pragmatic. Why is this so? Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.